Well, I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to First uh, Peter, First Peter, which is all the way towards the back of the New Testament, really right before Revelation. And let me also uh, maybe keep keep one finger there, and then also turn in your worship guide with me uh, to page twelve of your worship guide for today, which shows where we're headed in the uh, months, weeks, and months ahead. Uh, we, we are excited. I, I am looking forward to what God is going to do in our lives. And I, I really am genuinely praying that through this series, uh, walking through First Peter this fall, that our lives will be changed. That we'll be strengthened in the Lord. That we'll see more of His uh, glory. And so I want to take just a minute as we start. And, and the first thing I want you to see on this page 12 of the worship guide is just that, that, that we've got a plan. We've got a plan of where we're headed to walk through this book of the Bible, and maybe uh, this week you were like me, sitting in a uh, a kid's uh, elementary school class, and they were handing out some dates or some info, or maybe you were at a a sporting or some other activity uh, practice, and they were giving out the dates of when the games and so forth were, or maybe you had a business meeting, getting ready, planning things out for the fall, and you talked about the calendar, and and what I just want you to see is, just like you probably in those settings uh, took out out your your doodad and programmed them in or took out your uh, calendar and began to write some things down, I just invite you, whether it's, you know, just in your mind or maybe actually even on paper, just write down a plan to to be with us on Sunday mornings, to to put ourselves, if you will, in the way of the streams of God's grace, to put ourselves in, in line, as we're saying here with this First Peter series, to see and savor our salvation. So that's the first thing I'd invite you to see, just that we've got a plan and, and uh, pray, pray about a commitment to be here and put yourself in the way of grace each week as we hear God's Word. Uh, the second thing is you might just look down through here and see some of the themes just to sort of whet your appetite of where we're, where we're headed. Now, there's a lot of things that will touch on our lives, I guarantee you, in First Peter. I think every week uh, God's going to minister to us through these different themes you see. And then the last thing I would say is that you've got here before you a a list of the verses we're going to look at each week, and we'll probably stay pretty much in alignment with that. One thing that'll that'll help you, you'd be amazed how much it will probably strengthen and help you as you come on Sunday morning, is if maybe Sunday night it works, I'm sorry, Saturday night if it works for you as you're getting ready for bed, or maybe you're an early riser Sunday morning person, just take a minute or two and read through the passage that we're going to look at on on Sunday morning. And you'd be amazed how that will kind of get you ready to hear what I'm going to preach to you. Myself, Harrison, the others that will get up here, we're going to try to do our best to to share God's Word in a way that will really transform our lives. And and you'll sort of help prepare yourselves, get the palate ready, if you read just just the little verses that we're going to look at each week a little bit beforehand uh, each Sunday. So I invite you to do that. Uh, that's the schedule we're headed up. You might even just, you know, when you get home, tear it out of your worship guide here, put it in your Bible, put it next to your desk at work, someplace that you can look at it and have it before you. Let's look now at First Peter uh, chapter 1. Again, it's uh, towards the back of your Bible near uh, Revelation. I invite you to stand with me as I read aloud uh, this passage today. And we begin to, to get a look into the life of Peter, the Apostle Peter, and how his life relates to these first few verses and the themes contained there. I'll read aloud as you read along silently. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, 
according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with His blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. You may be seated. As you do, let me pray again for our time. Oh, Father, I pray that we would see abundantly today, begin to see all that this book will offer to us this fall of seeing and savoring the glory of our salvation. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I don't know about you, but it's pretty common when you go out and are looking maybe for that new book, that new novel you want to read. Maybe it's a nonfiction work you're uh, picking up. Uh, one of the things that's interesting, and it's in just about every book you see in the bookstore, and maybe you look at it as you're walking around the store, or maybe you've already bought the book and you get it home and sit down to start reading it. It's got something usually kind of on this part of the back page, or it might be inside this flap right here if it's a hardback book, it'll say about the author, about the author. And you might read it sometimes, you might not, but it it helps you if you do because you get a little glimpse. Maybe the author has specific expertise on the topic at hand, or maybe they've got some experiences that have shaped the novel about the author. And that's what I want us to do today as we look at this book of 1 Peter and kind of get an introduction into it. Even as I'm talking, just go ahead and be thinking in your mind. If you want to, you can get out your worship guide, the back section of notes there, and and make a jot a few notes. Begin to think about Peter. Peter in the Bible. And maybe you can remember three things about him. Maybe you can remember 15 But start thinking about some of those stories you may know and remember from the Gospels or from the book of Acts about Peter. And I want us to start off today by looking at one of those in particular that, you know, if I was writing the sort of insert or the back page thing, the about the author for the book of 1 Peter, I think I would probably put it in there. It's in John chapter 21, just back towards the front of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I invite you to turn there with me and maybe keep your finger in First Peter because we'll get back there. It says this, John chapter 15, John chapter 21, I'm sorry, verse 15. This is the account of, of Jesus meeting with Peter, the last sort of eye-to-eye contact they've had is when Peter had denied Jesus three times, denied that he knew him denied that he was connected to him. And here we have this beautiful account of Jesus' restoration of Peter. Verse 15 says, When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. And he said a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, Tend my sheep. Then he said to him a third time. You see the parallels here. Simon, son of John, 
do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Follow me. Well, zoom ahead with me. Thirty or so years in the future for Peter to around the mid-60s A.D. He and the other apostles, Paul most notably, are proclaiming the gospel every inch and every corner of the world or seeking to and being used in that way. And the early church father, Clement, records that during a time of intense Roman persecution that took place, not unlike some of the persecutions we see in various places in our world today, Peter was brought. Brought along with his wife, who was escorted first, she was, to her execution and him forced to watch. And then Peter brought towards the cross that was prepared for him and having, if you recall in the Gospels, rebuked the Lord Jesus for the concept, for the idea that Jesus was going to go to the cross and die for the sins of the world, Now, Peter, seeing the glory, seeing the majesty, the power of the cross, deemed himself unworthy to even be executed in the same manner of the Lord Jesus and pleaded with his executioners who obliged him, turned him upside down on the cross and crucified him. About the author, about the author. We begin to understand who Peter is. We begin to understand where he comes from. We begin to understand this book of First Peter and the majesty of all that he writes for us and for our benefit. Peter, we know his name at first was Simon. And there were a couple of other Simon, Simon the Zealot and Simon of Cyrene and so forth. It was a common name. Jesus changed his name to Peter. We'll talk about that more in a minute. He was a Jew, of course. He was a fisherman. It's interesting. He was listed at the top of the list of disciples every place. He was listed along with James and John who were the sons of thunder and that three inner circle were particularly close to Jesus. And so while we don't have to uh, go along with some of our friends that see out of that a, a reason for a papacy or a pope and handing down that authority throughout the generations, we certainly shouldn't be afraid to realize there's something special about Peter. He was the leader of the disciples. And what's interesting about that is to think, again, tap back into what I asked you a minute ago, the stories you remember about Peter. He had some real highs, didn't he? And he also had some incredible lows. 
He got to walk on water, for one. He got to see the transfiguration, which is kind of a wild thing, but it's basically where Jesus changed himself before them into an image or displayed to them an image of what he was going to look like in heaven, something none of the rest of us are going to see till we cross over into heaven. Peter got to see it advanced. Preaching to 3,000 and seeing so many come to be saved. So he had some awesome highs. He also had some lows. I've already mentioned his denial of Jesus. He took that sword and forgot what the kingdom was all about and decided to try to chop away at the people coming to get Jesus. He wasn't on his A game at that point. Even later on in his ministry, we see that he displays prejudice against the non-Jewish believers. We read about that in the book of Acts. But he wasn't a perfect guy. And he understand, understood then the beauty of God's grace, the majesty of the salvation that he enjoyed and that we, I trust, enjoy. And so I want to look at that. I know we just have a few minutes today, but walk with me through, uh, through this passage in 1 Peter at the beginning, these first two verses. It's a short little section of Scripture. And I want to take the life of Peter, some of the things that we know, and just take a minute to map them on, the things that we see in 1 Peter chapter, verse 1 and 2, and think about how that relates to our lives. The first thing we see uh, here is that it says in verse 1, he's writing to whom? The elect exiles. The elect exile. That's an interesting set of words to have together. They're chosen, but they've been expelled. They're close to the heart of God, but they're scattered all over the known world, at least in Turkey, what would be modern-day Turkey. They're all over. That's where all those areas I listed earlier are found. And a couple of things I want us to take away from that. One, real quickly, is just this. Regardless of where we are, whether we're exiled off in these far distant regions like the people he was writing to, or whether we seem like we're in just the perfect place, whether we feel like we're back in the backwoods or whether we feel like we're in the perfect place, God, because he has done a work of choosing, of calling us, of electing us, is right with us wherever we are and whatever we're facing. And I want to say another word about this when we hear about being elect or chosen by God. Of course, we can easily run to these uh, doctrines of God's sovereignty and salvation, these big words of predestination. And what I want you to just understand is that Peter is not afraid to lead with that idea. He thinks it's so important to us. In fact, he reinforces it in verse 2 where he says that this is all according to to what? The foreknowledge of God. When we know something in advance, foreknowledge of what's coming, that means that we're aware that it's coming. We don't control it. You know, we might have a meeting schedule, but it may or may not happen this week. When God knows something ahead of time, He knows that it's happening. He wills that it's going to be. If you want to think a little bit more about this, I put some books out on the table in the foyer. You're welcome to take one if you'll read it. I hope there's a few left there. Some folks already grabbed it, I think, uh, called Chosen by God. It just walks through some of the different perspectives that well-meaning believers have on this. The main thing I want you to see is that God loves us so deeply that he takes hold of us. And that was transforming for Peter in this way. 
You remember all that Peter went through, ups and downs, highs and lows. You know, when I play with my four boys that I've got, nine and under, uh, the, the older one, I can't really do this too much anymore, but, but, but they love to climb on my shoulders, right? If you're a dad or if you've ever just played around with kids, especially little boys, they like to get up on the shoulders and see the world from up there. Now, they think they're climbing up, but, of course, they can't climb up unless, you know, I get down pretty low and let them climb up. I've got to get down to their level for them to be able to climb. And then when they get up there, uh, they'll often, you know, grab a, a hunk of hair or an ear or an eyeball or something that they try to hang on with, and we start to, you know, kind of run around the house. They're dodging the light fixtures and the, the overhang of the doorways and whatnot. And as soon as they sort of get distracted by that, you know what happens. They forget to hold on. And so whenever I'm running around with my boys from the littlest one to the bigger one, if I've got one of them on my shoulder, I always, I've got a, a position, a handle. That is, I get the ankle. And I hold on to that ankle. And they might, you know, slide a little bit this way or that way or tip, but they're not going to take a complete header off of my shoulders. Think about that. We think about the life of Peter. Peter took great encouragement from knowing that even though he was prone to wander away from the Lord, he was prone to let go, God was going to make sure to hold on to him. And the same is true for you and for me today. This isn't some dour doctrine for times of old, this idea that God chooses us and enters into our life and changes us, otherwise we would never seek him. It's a beautiful thing to know it. It's humbling for us to realize we never would have been smart enough or good enough or skilled enough to choose God. He had to enter in and reach and grab us. And it's incredibly exalting that he would deem to to do that for you and for me. It's majestic in that way. Well, these are the people Peter's writing to. Those that are elect exiles, people like you and like me. What's their spiritual situation, though, as he describes it? Let's look at that for a moment. It says in verse 2, In the sanctification of the Spirit, that's another big churchy word, for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling with his blood. Here's all I want us to see here today. Just like in First. Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2. You don't need to turn there. Paul writes and he says that he's communicating to the church, to the believers, and he says to those sanctified, that just means made holy or declared holy, those sanctified and called to be saints. What's that about? What's this about when Peter says that we're sanctified and that we're for obedience and the sprinkling of the blood. Well, the sprinkling of the blood reminds us that Jesus has paid the price for us. That God has named us. He's given us an identity that we don't deserve. You know, the world says, do, do, do. And then you'll become. Then I'll give you the title. Then I'll give you the degree. Jesus says, here's the title. Here's who's you, who you've become. Holy ones. Righteous ones in my eyes. Now, having been given that high standing, grow up into it. Do. The 
world flips it around for us, Jesus blesses us with his grace to give us our identity. Uh, Can you imagine who would have been more excited about this than Simon Peter? It's interesting. You can do a little study. I don't have time this morning to go through all of them. Go through the Gospels and look at the places where Jesus calls him by the name Simon. When he's in the garden. Jesus has just asked him to pray. Just pray for a little while. As I'm getting to go to the cross, getting prepared to go to the cross and die. Just pray. And he comes back to them and he doesn't call him Peter. He says, Simon, couldn't you watch and pray? Simon was his old identity, his man-made identity. That's the name he was born with. You saw it in the verses I read earlier, John 21. What did Jesus call him? Simon, and then reinforced it, son of John. That's who he is in just his own person. Jesus says, no, first time he meets him, I'm going to call you Peter. Not just some kind of nickname. It means rock, and he's saying, this is who I see you as by my grace, and I invite you to become that. And I know you're going to stumble along the way, but I've got my hand upon you. Simon Peter, like us, wants to know, wanted to know, needed to know that we were declared to be something that we had not yet grown into being. That's who these people are that Peter writes to as well. That's who we are. The last thing I want us to see is what he wishes for them. You know, these words are in a lot of the New Testament letters here, the end of verse 2. May grace and peace be multiplied to you, or some kind of form of that. What's that about? Well, it's just saying that if you have grace, God's unmerited kindness, and part of that is that you get to have peace with a God who ought to be upset with you. You justly deserve his judgment. I justly deserve it. And yet he's chosen by his grace to love us. So that brings us peace, marvelous peace. Again, think about Peter. Imagine the feeling when that rooster crowed. Imagine how much he longed for peace. Just like you or I long for peace and reminders of God's love when we're in that place where we've got an opportunity to speak for the Lord, to acknowledge our relationship with the Lord, to let others know about salvation in the Lord, and we remain silent. Or sometimes maybe even deny that we're connected with the Lord. Or maybe we don't go quite to that length but we deny him throughout our week. Do we not deny who Jesus is every time we succumb to our areas of besetting sin? I don't know what it is for you, the gossip, greed, fits of anger, obsessive worry, eating disorder, uh, sexual temptation, an attitude of self-righteousness, divisiveness, whatever it is. When we're in that space and we kind of look back on it afterwards, We realize at that moment, you and I, in our sin, we were denying Jesus, denying the reality of him. What an awesome thing, then, 
that Peter reminds us that because of Jesus' work, we have grace and we have peace through him. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we give you thanks and praise today as we have looked at just these initial opening words to this book of First Peter. And we pray, Lord, that you would remind us today of the beauty of being elect, chosen exiles in this world and strengthen us in that. Oh, Father, we ask as well that you would show us what it is that not only to have received this gift of a new identity in you to be declared holy even when we know we're not, and that the, the power of the gift of that new identity would, would change us, that we would grow up into who you called us to be. Father, we thank you that you give us grace and you give us peace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.